0: What's up, everyone? My name is Michaela Nemhard, and you're listening to the Sanctus Church podcast. Our mission here at Sanctus is to glorify God by reaching and enabling people of all ages and nations to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Let's get ready to hear the word. Hello, everyone. My name is Lucas Prado, and it is such a privilege to share God's words as now we are here in the series on the names. Of God. I have the privilege of being the Pickering Side Pastor. By the way, a huge shout out to our Pickering community. It's been so beautiful seeing what God is doing as in our whole church during this season. I hear from our peer pastors in Ajax, Port Perry, Bowmanville online, all that God is doing it is so awesome. And I have the privilege of bear witness with my own eyes of all that God is doing in Pickering since November of 2019. It is such a beautiful community, strong, united. And more than that, just seeing how God is inviting us for more of His presence and changing our hearts from inside out and how we are inclusive to others, how we are open now just to spread the best message ever to every single one. It is so beautiful. So thank you for being here with me. Thank you for just opening now your ears. And my prayer is that for each one of us, May we hear what God has in store for each one of us this time. Names of God, it is so interesting that as I reflect on names, I see also the importance of names in our own lives. Every single time that I speak, I always like to talk about my family. And today I would love to introduce my family to you. Perhaps you haven't seen them, but here is a picture of my family. This is my wife, Maria, and as you can see, I'm so, so blessed this loving, amazing, beautiful, wise, intelligent, caring woman. And this year is quite special for us because we're celebrating our 15th anniversary at the end of this year. And the two of us, we came from Brazil nine years ago, and now the family has grown. We have two kids, Nina, she's the oldest. Nina, she is six years old, and Benjamin, four years old. But talking about names, Lucas, Maria, Nina, and Ben, the meaning it is so crucial. Lucas, my parents, they named me Lucas, and the meaning for Lucas is bringer of light. Maria, beloved. Nina, as soon as we had our first one, we named her Nina because we were paying a tribute to my mom-in-law. And also Nina derives from Anna, that in Hebrew means God's gracious or the favor of God. And 17 months after Nina, Benjamin was born. And the meaning for Benjamin, son of right hands. But see, names are incredibly important parts of our identity. They carry deep personal, cultural, familial, and historical connections. They they give us a sense of who we are, the community where we belong, and also our place in the world. And see, biblically, second chapter in the Bible, that's when God He formed Adam, and right there, God gave us the power to name. Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 says, So the Lord God forms from the grounds all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And Adam chose a name for each one of them. It's interesting how God gives us power to name. But see, here we're talking about the God who has the name that is above every single name. Names of God, from Genesis to Revelation, we're going through all these names, and so far we have explored Yahweh, Elohim, Elroy, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of Righteousness, and these names, they're all we need. Why? Because a couple of things. One, the names of God reveal His identity, who God is. But second of all, it is so important because it reveals our identity, who we are in God. Names that give meaning and purpose. And see, the name of God that we're gonna be exploring today, it is a, it is a name that again from Genesis to Revelation we see this name being revealed. But many of us were not familiar with this name. Or although we might have heard, it is not a name that we tend to gravitate easily. But let me tell you something, for where we are and nowadays how we're living, it is such a crucial name that changes us from inside out. The name of God for today is Ish. And yes, the pronunciation is like double E, ish. And you'll find this name in the mouth and writings of prominent prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah. But the most profound revelation of this name of God, it is revealed through a prophet called Hosea in a very profound and shocking way. Let me set the stage for all of us. Hosea, he was a big man with a big heart. And his dream was to follow God anywhere he led him. And his passion for God did not go unnoticed, especially among the single women in his neighborhood. So one day, as Hosea, he was seeking God's will in his life. He thought that he heard God say something that was quite astonishing. It went something like this. He said, Hosea, God told him, I want you to get married. Now the time has come for you. But see, Hosea, I have already picked out your wife and her name is Gomer. But see, it is a little bit unorthodox because this woman, she hangs out on the street corners late at night, selling her own body. But see, Hosea, like, I want you to marry her. And also, as you marry her, you're gonna have children with her. And not simply that, but I want you to name your first child, God Scatters. I know it sounds strange, but just do it. Obey because there's a purpose for that. Your second child, your daughter, you are supposed to call her unloved. And your, elder, your youngest son, you're going to call him not my people. Maybe with this, it is a message that I want my people also to get. Maybe they will open their ears for this message. And don't think, Hosea, that by marrying this woman, you immediately change her. You're going to have to keep on loving her with all that you have because she'll stay out and she'll pursue other lovers in the world that is not yourself. But see, let me tell you something. One day, eventually, you will win her back. And the beauty of this, it is in the same way I'll bring my people back to me and see the ones that are called unloved, I'll tell that they are my loved ones. The ones that are called not my people, I'll say they are my people. and see Hosea being a remarkable man of God. with all his faith, with his faith, he went out and do you know what he did? He married Gomer. He did what the Lord asked him. And it was not easy at all because as soon as he did the whole community, they didn't accept their marriage. They were all wondering, how come this so-called man of God he was chasing a prostitute? And not even just just that, but the word spread out that actually Hosea was trying to live out like a way that it was a message of God to his own people. A message that God was trying just to bring to them saying, See, like this woman in the same way, the people of Israel, my people, you have been like a way and you're not pursuing me, but you're pursuing all these false gods. Such a hard message that even for him, he would not feel welcomed in the community anymore. And see, it took a few years, and things didn't go well at first, but finally, one day came. When Gomer, she came back home, Hosea's wife, and now she asked for forgiveness, and now she accepted the love of this man that so much loved her. It sounds unbelievable. Well, let me tell you, it happened more than 2,500 years ago with the people of Israel. And if you read the original story, you discover something that is quite poignant, a God that he is so desperate for intimacy with his people, that he used a lived out parable to call the people to their senses. And see in this living testimony, a true and real story, God he reveals his name Ish. Hosea chapter 2, verse 16 says, "When that day comes, says the Lord." When the day comes when Gomer, now your wife, returns back to you, and she asks for forgiveness, and you embrace her, this is the day, now you will call me my Ish, my husband, instead of my master. I now will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfading love and compassion, and I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you finally know me as the Lord's. Ish, God's husband, reveals God's passionate love for Israel. It symbolizes the true love from God to His people. And see, this love, it is, it is something so unique, so profound, because it is loving, forgiving, faithful, providing for and protecting His people. It is the love that is willing to do whatever it takes to bring us to this enduring and fulfilling relationship that is only available in God. Another prophet, Isaiah, he said on the same name, for your maker, your God, the creator of the whole universe and the, the one who created you, he is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. And he is called the God of all the earth. But see, if God is, re- is revealed as our husband, what are we then? We are God's brides. But see, like as soon as we think of that, what a not marriage couple. There's a writer called Anne Spengler. The reflecting on this name, she says, when it comes to love and marriage, the strangest, the strangest match in all of history is the one between God and his people. And at first, It looks like a complete mismatch. A holy God linked to weak and sinful human beings. Greatness linked to smallness. Wisdom linked to folly. Yet God says, I will make you my wife forever. Such a beautiful picture. Why? Because it is a God that He so much loves us. And this is the ultimate definition of love. Do you know what is the ultimate definition of love biblically? It is the words agape and do you know what is the meaning for agape? Agape means love for the unlovable. The apostle Paul he put it this way but God he demonstrates his own love for us in this way that while we were still sinners yes it's not about us trying now just to climb the ladder and be accepted by God but no but while we were still sinners Christ died for us, and this is the ultimate love being shown to us. To see, like ourselves, we might look like, How come a holy God will love like a wretch like me? But yet, it is the God that says, I made you in my likeness, in my image. And although like you're lost with your sin, Lucas, I will leave you there. But that's how much He loves us, that, that although we might look and say, This is unlovable. But it's right here that God, who is love, it is able just to bring us to this love that is all that we need. It is a mission of love. And see this metaphor of monogamous marriage between God and His people. It is shown fully in God's Son, Jesus Christ, who is the loving, sacrificial bridegroom of the church. See, when Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, before Him, John the Baptist, the prophets, he was the one that was raised by God to prepare the way of the Lord. And as soon as Jesus came, like there was this uh, these episodes in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, when now like Jesus was growing in his own ministry. And then the disciples of John, they come to him and say, Hey, how do you feel about this? Because now he's increasing more. And he's doing all of this. How do you feel? And right there, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, 29, John says... The one who has the brides is the bridegroom. The bride is the church of God, and the bridegroom is Jesus Christ. And the friends of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete." And see, in order for us to truly understand this, we got to understand the ancient Jewish tradition. See, uh, matchmaking it is quite different than how we do nowadays in the Western world. And even now, like in our modern days, there are some TV shows on Netflix that portrays like the differences between the Eastern worlds and the Western worlds. But see, like now the ancient Jewish tradition reflects on that. It it is something quite interesting because right there, the tradition was the father of the groom, he was the one that he would go and look and choose a bride for his son. And as soon as he would choose the brides, he would go to the girl's father and would present that, and upon the acceptance of the proposal for the marriage, then the groom, he was supposed to pay what was called a bride price, which was a few cows, a couple of sheep, or some pieces of gold trinkets. And see, right there, the couple, they would drink from a cup of wine to seal the marriage covenant between them, and they would not drink again from that cup until the day of the wedding ceremony. Then right there, The groom would leave, he would go back to his father's house. And what would he do? He would build a house for his brides. He would work on that in a beautiful way. And once it was done, now the house was totally completed. Now he was supposed to go and marry his brides. And this usually took place late at night. So in the groom's men, they were carrying torches and yelling to let the bride know that the groom was on his way. And do you know what was the, the, the ultimate like, mission for the brides during these moments? Simply to be ready, prepared for the groom. Take note of this. God, he chose us to be his son's brides. Ephesians chapter 1 says, For he chose us, God chose us in him before the creation of the whole world, world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And see, as He chose us, now Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, the loyal Son, and the perfect bridegroom, He paid the ultimate price, the bright price for you and me. And let me tell you something, it was not a cheap price at all. It cost Him everything. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you were bought at a price. And what was the price? Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Because He loves us so much, He died on the cross for each one of us. And see, even before Jesus dying on the cross, he sat with his disciples, and once they had the supper right there, it is right there that Jesus said, see, take my bread, take this wine here, because now I'll do all the sacrifice and you need to remember of me. But one day will come when I will will return and I will get my bride, and now we're going to be able to be one. See, in all of this, do you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's preparing us a home. Jesus said on John 14, my father's house has many rooms. And if there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. See, Jesus is coming back again. And as God's brides, our calling is to desire the king and be ready for him. In talking about the end of times, about the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's interesting how the last book of the Bible gives us this beautiful portraits of the marriage of God as the perfect husband and ourselves, his brides. It says on Revelation 19, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, to God, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, the marriage of Jesus Christ, the Lamb, and his brides, ourselves, God's church, has made herself ready. Ish, God's husband. What shall we do with God's name? My message to you this morning, it is very simple. It is very simple. Let God love you. Let God love you. It is interesting because I don't know who you are, where you are in life. What you've done, how you see yourself, how close or how far away from God you are. But let, make no mistake at all, God's love it is all that we need. And God He's chasing us down. He wants to show us how deep, how high, how wide it is His love for us. And in the same way that He used a lift out parable, Hosea, a true man, a real story to show His love for His people. Now He tells you and me that I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. I love you, my church, you, are my brides, and I want you to be ready for me. So the best that we can do now, it is simply let God love us. And this ultimate love, is all that we need because God, He is love. And because He first loved us, now we're able to experience the fullness of this love. So the best thing that we can do is don't resist this love, don't fight back. Don't keep running away, there's only one that is able to truly fulfill the desires of our hearts. And his name is Ish, God as our husband, the lover of our soul. And we only can understand the depths of the treasures of his love to us once we open up for his love. But the question is, if we understand this, why not then we open up ourselves completely to him? If, if God, like, calls us to fully, like, now live for Him and have, like, this amazing love surrounding and changing us from inside out, why do we settle for less? Why are we okay with a shallow, vague, really ritualistic, religious, or legalistic relationship with God than what He intends to us? If His love and His pursuing us and He wants us to fully have this awesome relationship with Him, why do we settle for less? Same writer and Spengler, she put it this way, let's not settle then for a relationship that keeps God at arm's length, one that accepts little from Him and experiences less. Instead, we can allow Him to close the gap between our smallness and His greatness, our sin and His holiness, our weakness and His power, We can lower our guards, being honest about our longings and our needs for Him. And guess what? All of us, we have needs. And only God, as our lover, as our husband, as our creator, as our Abba Father, only God is able to fulfill our needs. We can acknowledge that we want Him more than anything or anyone, and we can plead with Him to open our souls to His faithful, intimate love. See, a week ago or so, I took some of our youth from our church to a mission trip here at the heart of Toronto. The trip, like it is called, Toronto Remix, and it is organized by one of our local partners, Doxa Youth Unlimited. And there I was with some of our youth, together with other youth groups from different churches all over our country, some of them coming from the U.S. as well, for five days that we were all immersed on this awesome experience where we learned more about God's love, learned more about how we can become disciples of God. We were also trained now just to go and share God's love for others. We went downtown, we went to different places, we were serving different communities in different shelters as well. It was awesome. And at the end, every single night, we would have this awesome service together. See, the first day of the trip, I got like all the youth here and I barely knew them. Because actually, our youth pastor, he's on a sabbatical right now. Huge shout outs for Pastor Brandt, amazing guy. And as I was talking to Pastor Brandt, as he was going to his sabbatical, I said, hey, Pastor Brant, like, I'm in, i mean, man. I'm here. If you need some help, I can jump in. But I barely knew all the youth there. So the first day of our trip, like for for me to get to know them, I got them like in the room and I said, hey, share with me your story, your name, your story and who God is for you. And it was so beautiful seeing each one of them now as youth, although they have each one of them, their struggles and all their questioning as well. How pumped, excited they were for the trip, but also how they were sharing who God was for them. And it's interesting because there was this girl that as she shared her testimony, her story, she ended up saying, you know what? God, He is my everything. God is the love of my life. Let me ask you one thing. Who is the love of your life? Who is truly the king of your hearts? See, there's only one who is able to quench the thirst of our souls. And no matter how young or old we are, Like we are all called by God to experience the mysterious treasures of his love for us. So are you tired? Are you weary? Do you feel unloved or unjust? Do you feel that there's something lacking in your life? Let God love you completely. And see the beautiful picture invitation of God of the intimacy that is available to us. And it is displayed here in the life of Hosea. When God came to Hosea, Hosea, he says... I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion, and I'll be faithful to you and make you mine, and you finally know me as the Lord's. You finally know me as the Lord's. Can you let this sink deep in your soul? I keep wondering how much I know God. Not know of God or know about God. But I wonder like how much I truly know you, God. What what you're just inviting us here, the words here that you gave to these prophets, it is not simply a theory or like a philosophical idea, but no, like truly you are inviting us to truly know you. Know the depths of your hearts, who you are, how much you love us. And even all that you're saying, like, as I know you, you want to show me your righteousness, your justice, your faith in love, your compassion, how faithful you are. Like all the provision, all the protection, all that we have, it is only available in God. And he wants us to truly know Him. And I wonder how many of us, many times, like we're settling for less. We're okay with only like some sips of the actually the extravagant ocean of God's love for us. And we cannot be okay with that. We cannot simply like just take a little bit of God in our lives and be okay with this. No, there's like a whole banquet that God, He wants to provide to us. And He wants to feed our souls in Him alone. And it doesn't mean that actually issues, problems, troubles will come to all of us. No, in this world you will have trouble. But see, like because we have the lover of our souls, we know all things are going to be okay. I know who provides to me. I know who protects me. It is the lover of my hearts. It is God Himself. But see, God's love—it is a holy love. God's love is not a cheap love at all. When God approached Hosea, He said... Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. See, like it's so easy to judge Gomer. But for sure, Gomer, she had her past, her baggage, all that she went through. And we're not at all called to judge Gomer at all. Because in the same way, like we are like her. The message of God here to Gomer and to you and me is how many times we can become promiscuous. We can become like one that instead of being faithful to God and now realizing that only God is able to quench the thirst of our souls. Here we are chasing for other lovers of life that doesn't fuel us at all. And it is right here that we're supposed to come to God and say, God, you know what, Like I know that you have a better purpose for my life, but you got to know something. Our God, with His holy love, He's a jealous God. When God he gave the Ten Commandments to His people, He said, Exodus 20, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Idols. It's not about so like other religious gods that we're worshiping, but it's so easy. Every single time that we put things, people, dreams, earthly desires before God, we make an idol to ourselves. It's the perfect body, my dream job, the chase of success, my love for money power, success, whatever it is, the exotic vacation, a larger paycheck, the perfect retirement home, my cottage. Whatever it is, even good things, even blessings, they can seduce us that we end up spending ourselves more on them instead of God. I know we're living such uh, not easy moments at all like in our economy, but it is right here that we got to realize nothing in this life will fulfill us. The answer for like a better life is not if like now there's a turn in the economy. No, but quite the opposite. There's only one who is able to provide for us. There's only one who is able to quench that even through moments of scarcity. I know who I belong to. I know who is the lover of my life. And I know that even when I walk through the valley of the death, of the shadows of death, I know who is for me. I know who is my God. He is my Shepherd. He has always taken care of me, like He has always been with me, and He will never leave me nor forsake me. God, He is a jealous God. The Apostle Paul he put it this way: "For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God Himself. Why? Because I promise you, as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted." Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpents. See, it is the corruption of our minds, chasing passions, chasing for lovers that they will not fill us. And see, we change things, we look for new habits, a new club, new friends, anything just to try just to fill the void in our lives, but nothing will fill, it is only God who is able to completely fill us from inside out. And see, the identity of God as our husband gives us an identity as his bride. But also with this, the identity of God as our husband now changes from inside out, that even now, when we think about earthly marriages, we're completely changed by him. The Apostle Paul, he said in Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, that he gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having Cleanse her by the washing of water with the words, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she be, would be holy and blameless. See, let me tell you just one thing, husbands, once you let God love you completely, he wants to change you. And if you're a husband or even a man that you're aspiring to be married to one day, let me tell you something. Here it is the perfect example of how we should live our lives. If we're truly like now filled with God's love, your wife, it is now the ultimate like goal of your love. And you need to love her in the same way that Jesus Christ loved the church. And what's the cap for your love? It's your own life. The cap of her love, of your love for your wife, it is you giving yourself completely, just as Christ he gave himself up for the church. And once you do this, it changes completely because now it is not a selfish love. It's not about what you can get from the relationship, but it's a selfless love. How you can love because he loved you. And see, wives, this is the bar for us. Or even the women that are now thinking about the future, praying for the men in your life. And Let me tell you something, don't lower the bar at all. It is a moment now as men and women as we come and we have God as the lover of our souls and we truly are changed by him now once we we know that God has a husband for you. Like he wants your husband to love you in the same way that Jesus Christ loved the church. And the beauty of all of this is is seeing the change in our whole relationship. It is saying Christian marriage is now like being a model of not like looking for your own passions, for how can I be happy, but how can I make my wife, my husband happy? How can I give myself completely for this person? Tim Keller said that marriage is a long-term abiding commitment. And see, the purpose of marriage is deep character change through deep relationship. But it all starts with the relationship that we have with our God. So let me tell you one more thing. Let God love you. Are you in love for God? Is, is He your everything? Do you, do you desire Him more and more in your life? It's interesting because in the last book of the Bible, one of the letters for the churches is a letter for the church in Ephesus. And it was a church that it looked nice. I know your deeds, your patience, your endurance, your hard work, all that you're doing. But it's right there that God said to the church, Yes, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. And now is the time for you to consider how you have fallen, repent, and do the things you did at first. Again, are you in love for God? Like, does, does your heart burn for Him? Do you desire him? Like, is, is your soul, like, so desiring, like, you're thirsty for his presence? It is a moment now we've got to come to God and say, God, I don't know how, I don't know how, where I have fallen, but I come to you. Give me Jesus. I want, God, what only you are able to fill my life. Only you are able to change me from inside out. And once he does that, he will make you holy. We need to desire to be holy. I love, like, talking about the love of our souls and even, like, models for us. It's interesting that David's a man after God's heart. It, it, it's interesting because David, he was the one that he wouldn't care what others thought, but he would pursue God, and he was not always right. He made some terrible mistakes, but he knew who God was in his life, and he desired God. He said on Psalm 27, The one thing I ask, this thing I seek the most, it is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. See, it is a moment now that we got to come and say, God, I want to seek to know You. Can you really like, think of that? God, He wants you to know Him. And let me tell you, like, now it is a wonderful moment for us, even now during the summer here in Canada. That either in nature, in quiet time, in worship, through a new devotional, through the Bible, reading his words, praying. Like, it is a moment where you got to say, you know what? I don't know how I have fallen. And I don't like all the habits that I have created in my life. But I want to change this. I don't want to be led by these habits that that they're not leading me to Christ. But I want to have new habits in my life because I want to encounter you, God. And I want to know you. And as you do this, he will reveal himself. This is not my promise. This is God's promise for us. And see, this is so important because Jesus Christ has already come. And he is coming back. But the question is, are you ready for him? Do you long for the bridegroom? And do you realize that he is coming back? And are you ready for him? We need to be ready for God. And there is nothing better then come in and say, God, I want to depend on you because I don't know tomorrow, but I know one thing, as here I am today. And as you have given me the gifts of life, you want to show yourself to me as my husband, as, uh, as the one that I need the most in my life. Let me tell you something, wherever you are right now, you can pause and you can say, God, I want to be loved by you. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, finished, with the marriage of the bride with the bridegroom. In verse seventeen of chapter twenty-two, says the spirits and the bride say, "Come." Let the one who hears say, "Come." Let the one who is thirsty, come. It is a moment for us to come to God, and simply let God love you. Can you close your eyes for a second? Where you are right now, can you close your eyes and you can simply say, God, I desire you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, God, reveal yourself as my lover. And I want to be filled by you. For all of us, it doesn't matter if man, woman, young or old, different backgrounds, different upbringings, for all of us, we are your brides. And only you, God, are able to love us and overwhelm us with your love so we can love you back and we can love the world in the same way that you love. But come, God. In Jesus Christ, we pray to you. Amen. Let God love you. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at sanctuschurch.com. There, you'll find ways to support our ministry and God's vision for this church. Last but not least, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to hit that follow button to be notified when another episode releases. Alright, I pray you're blessed by the word and we'll see you next week.